Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Along with Hembo, Evan Cohen from One Sportsman Likely, Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. In for Greeny today. In just a couple of minutes, we will discuss Aaron Rodgers' potential return to the New York Jets. We also have learned today, and people go back on the ESPN app and listen to our podcast, that um, Hembo and Greeny were FaceTiming last night, or at least Greeny attempted to FaceTime Hembo last night. It was a little too late for him, and he didn't want to pick up because um, he wasn't wearing clothes. I was topless and bottomless. Hot. And he sleeps hot. I sleep hot. <laughs> he sleeps hot. You have to add the extra laughs in there. I mean, I sleep super hot. Yeah, clearly. Um, so... Bubba and Cam have told me uh, something happened with you with breakfast. Yeah, but so I don't know what. I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna be disappointed in me because you've really propped me up on the show as like a sort of an astute sports mind, and that's very kind of you. But there's also a, a different side of me where I'm much less intelligent, and that's in literally every other stage of life. All mm-hmm. of my brain cells direct in one way, point in that direction. So every morning I eat two hard boiled eggs as part of my breakfast. Every time, like I just I pack, I bring in a couple hard boiled eggs. I, you know, uh, I, I skin them, whatever, whatever the word is, and take, I remove the shell. You skin them? Skin what's, them. what's the verb? What's the verb? Peel. Peel? I, I, peel is a better verb take than the shell skin. shell off? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I remove the shells, I skin them, and then I eat them. Big problem happened today. The first egg was not hard-boiled. Oh, so at home in our fridge, we have like two different egg compartments because I obviously eat so many hard-boiled eggs. I do these every week like in a big pot. And I must have just dipped my hand into the wrong compartment last night when I packed my lunch. So there's a raw, or like a raw egg splattered all across my desk. Here. Here. So I clean it up. There's another egg in my bag, of course, because I always bring two. Now, a smart person... What would they do if they had just, if they had just done that on You're their desk? You're basically going to operate as if the egg is not boiled. You're going to operate in the kitchen over a sink, and you're going to crack it as if you were cracking an egg. Cam, I want you to guess what I did. Not that. The exact same thing you did. I cracked the second one because I was so prideful. I believe there's no way that I could have made that mistake twice. Like, I'm a man of, of ilk, of, uh, uh, of some repute. Could I possibly... Could I possibly have put in two non-hard-boiled eggs in my breakfast? Apparently, yes. The answer is yes. And so there were <laughs> two raw eggs splattered across my desk today. That's the kind of stupid that I am. So a, a few questions on this, if I may. Um, you may. How did you physically transport them here? Because I'm surprised they didn't break as the raw egg <laughs> and not the hard-boiled egg. Right. So I, I, ha- I have like a, a pretty durable lunch pail. That I bring in a lunch pail. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like literally, like I'm, you really come off as a blue collar kind of guy. Like I'm, like I'm, <laughs> like I'm 12 though. Like I do have a, like a lunch pail, a durable one. So as it was rattling around in my backpack, I guess both of them remained unscathed. So that's the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your other follow ups? It seems. No, I, so it was on your hands in the desk. I assume you cleaned it up. Now, Everywhere. I, I actually am interested in what was the replacement breakfast. None. I just so you did, haven't eaten yet. I, no, I have not eaten yet, and I'm I'm probably jittery and acting like it. You know, like I've been saying all these weird things today. Like I sleep hot like 10 times and I sleep hot. Like that's something that a man says only if he's starving. Like I would never act this way Mm. if I had eaten breakfast today. What's the normal lunch then? Because I'm sure you have the same lunch every day. Yeah. So I, on every Sunday, I create like this, basically this bean, parsley, tomato, carrot salad with olive oil, lemon, salt and pepper in a big container. And I just eat one bowl of that each day for lunch. The exact same bowl, the exact same size after my workout. That's what I mean. I'm a regimented kind and of guy. And no protein in there? 
I mean, the beans are the protein there. I also oh, do the a, beans are the protein. Right? I also yeah. do a protein shake after my lift, um, and that's why, <laughs> and that's why <laughs> I look like this, and that's why you look like that. <laughs> I run every day. I have a running streak of at least two miles every day since April 1st, 2020. When is, if you could estimate um, how many pounds you could bench press right this second, what would it be? Less than you, probably. I mean, this is not relative. I, mean, I don't you're know. You're an older man. Like, I wouldn't expect I'm you to. I'm an older man. I'm 43. I'm not an older man. Can you bench press your own age? Can you bench press the bar? Can I bench press 43 pounds? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I could bench press, press 43 pounds. Could you bench press your own body weight? No. 200? No, I cannot do that. 250? 250? How are you out of your mind? You were just complaining about how heavy you looked in a photo. 250? I mean, no. I'm, I'm not guessing you're pretty tall. I'm 6'1". You're, six one, six you, carry, one you carry your weight well, but there might be <laughs> a lot of it. I'd I, like to point out that yeah. when we were going into, or when we were in our last break, Hembo said, all right, that's it. I'm not making fun of you for the rest of the show. And, and then I he opened and I this said, hour with, "Whoa, how much can you bench, bro?" Yeah, yeah fatty. you assured me that you weren't no, actually bothered I'm by not. it. But you I don't, are. No, how much can you bench, fatty? <laughs> <laughs> it is true. I sound like a ridiculously self righteous. You know, you know the player on the the safety, Jeremy Chin. He actually added an S for me, and I have the jersey now. Jeremy Chin's, <laughs> as a matter of fact, is Evan Chin's. Yeah, that's what I have for him. Calling you no, double I chin. can't. So, like, okay, cool. You can bench, bro. Like, we get it. I'm not exceedingly strong. I was just... No, but you just... You, you're making yourself out... Okay, okay. He you were the, the one challenging the my protein intake, so I'm going to punch You wanted back. to talk about breakfast. We, we didn't, yeah, I mean, we, we would have never know known if you didn't... I was actually disparaging myself for cracking open no, a second you egg. wanted us to lead into all of your meals. Just so, so you can make fun of Evan. Correct. No, I did not. A hundred percent. You think I'm over here want. playing four-dimensional chess with the breakfast conversation? You yes. guys are ridiculous. Yep. Yes. What do you have for dinner? Well, that's whatever my wife makes generally, and that's. That, that but varies. if she makes a non-healthy thing, hypothetically, will you eat it? Yeah, but I'm like I, I like do so, eat pizza at any point. Yeah, we'll do pizza occasionally, but usually I like I'll begrudgingly eat it. Like I'll be, I'll make it obvious when we're eating it that I wish we had, we're eating something healthier. Like I'm, I'm like that guy. Like I'll eat it, well, but I'll also. We be know he calls out his wife's food. We've heard that before. Her vodka sauce once was pungent. Yeah, like, I know the penny. I've heard like that it bit. was like I I was buzzed. Like when I went to sleep, it was so strong. You're really a turn on to be a friend. Do, do your friends like you? My friends? Yeah. Do your friends like you? I mean, you'd have or to are ask. they friends with you? Like, you'd you know have how to like, ask there's people them. in your life you're friends with forever and you're like, I'm not going to break up with them as a friend? Yeah. Do you, do you think your friends. Yeah, like Keith they- Costas. Keith Costas. I'm Bob's friends son. with Bob's son. Very, very friendly with Bob. He comes over to my house a couple times a year. We eat smoked meats together and watch Ken Burns baseball. That's a rite of passage for us. Uh, that's usually like a January or February thing, though, because. You know, you know, he'll sprint through the winter meetings because he works at the MLB Network, of course, uh, as one would, uh, as one would expect. A job that I perhaps aspire to have someday because I yeah, just please, love old baseball. Please, you know, Go. like I'm, gonna, I'm saying this not kindly. I'm just saying this. Yeah, say it. There's no chance in hell Bubba specifically would associate with you if you both weren't on this show. Oh, uh, Bubba does not like him. Yeah, I, Bubba. <laughs> Bubba doesn't Bubba, associate like, I with don't me. even think Bubba would go to, like if you and Bubba were in the same room and you're like you're done with the show. We're done at noon Eastern time, and you said, okay, do you want to grab lunch? I can't imagine Bubba grabbing lunch. Bubba? Bubba is such like an everyman, guys guy kind of thing. Like, th- th- kind of thing? He's a thing. I just made him a thing. I mean, Person. his name's Bubba. So. Yeah, but yeah. like, there's no way you'd ever associate with him, right? Well, I think at the very least, at this point, I'm going strictly for the stories. Because if we're out to l- lunch or dinner, he's doing at least seven things that are insane. <laughs> and I'm going to be reporting back the next day. So. You should ask Nuno about him. See how Nuno really feels oh, about him. Oh, my Hembo. goodness. Yeah, I mean, these, that might be worse. These guys have a strictly on-air relationship How often do you drink, Hembo? I'm we, reprehensible. We were talking about that yesterday, Cam and I. Generally just Friday evenings. 
What do you okay. drink? What That's do you, more than I do. Drinking? I don't drink at all. I've never been drunk in my life. One, I don't drink. One, one pint, like one, like one beer pint generally. But I'm, like, as you can see, like all these answers are very cut and dry, very regimented with everything. Life is much easier that. if you know what's happening next. <laughs> Okay, this is Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive. I got, I got egg on my face, don't I? That was such a horrible joke. Bad. That was bad. <laughs> you had so many good jokes today, and that yeah, that I just have so. Out. I'm just so freaking funny. Oh my! What? This is Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport, uh, brought to you by Grey Goose here on ESPN Radio, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen, in for Greeny today. So Aaron Rodgers returns to practice. They open up their 21 day window uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I think it's crazy that the Jets may let him come back. The Jets are obviously not in charge of him. We know that. The Rodgers camp is in charge of Rodgers. I just think at some point you have to protect him from himself. But I was thinking about Rodgers. And think about the world in which he has lived in for the last few years. And think about what is going on right now for Aaron Rodgers. Mm. There is a chance that Mike McCarthy could coach a team to a Super Bowl. There is a chance that Mike McCarthy could coach a player to an MVP. There is a chance the Green Bay Packers may have more wins this year than they did last year. There's a chance the New York Jets could have less wins this year than they did last year. And there is a chance that Nathaniel, no, no chance, well, Nathaniel Hackett could not get anything out of Russ while Russ is getting everything out of Sean Payton. The world in which Aaron Rodgers is, is tied to, and as Chris Canty said this morning on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, the Aaron Rodgers universe, all of the people and the places and the things and the teams that you tie to Aaron Rodgers are all going better right now than Aaron Rodgers. Like, Mike McCarthy is proving he can coach without Aaron Rodgers. We always thought, because Aaron Rodgers led us down this path, that Aaron Rodgers' lack of success in the latter years of McCarthy was just because of him. Well, he's had a lot of success now with the Dallas Cowboys and specifically Dak Prescott, right? We thought that the Green Bay Packers were making some huge mistake by saying goodbye to Rodgers and saying hello to Jordan Love, and yet Rodgers last year produced an 8-9 and nine season. Love's first year as a starter this week with standing against Kansas City, could produce a record better than that. Yeah, could. I mean, it, one more game, one more win is a winning record and potentially a playoff appearance. In addition, he loves Nathaniel Hackett. That's his guy. No, I can't believe what Sean Payton said about him. Sean Payton was right. Nathaniel Hackett is a terrible football coach, and that has been proven now multiple times outside of Aaron Rodgers. So all of these things that surround Rodgers, right, that, oh, well, you know, Mike McCarthy coached in the Super Bowl because of Aaron Rodgers. Well, Mike McCarthy may coach in the Super Bowl again at some point here. It's not... It, implausible for that to happen. Mike McCarthy has an MVP quarterback because it's Aaron Rodgers. Well, he may have another one. The world that Rodgers is living in right now and all of the people that are tied to him are all having a better year than he is. Well, yes, of course, but the year he had ended after four plays with a freak injury. It has not ended. Well, It has not ended. I think that is in part because of some of the things that you said. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to return because he wants to prove that he can. That's the kind of guy he is. You don't become Aaron Rodgers without being driven like that. Some, some, might, some might call it irrational, but I think he would call it just being, just being me. I don't know. In some sense, I think there's a chance that he could look at all these other people having success elsewhere and say to himself, well, this is going to drive me to return. At the same time, I think Aaron Rodgers has really enjoyed owning the Jets and would like to come back to prove to the world that he can. And if the Jets you know, have a chance to get to the playoffs, to become the savior, to become the guy that does something that no one has ever done before— has to drive him. So, well, I think that you're right. All but, these but things have lined up. Who, who cares about that? I mean, like... He does. Right, I know. That's the thing. It's like he's trying to accomplish a goal that is unbelievable. And I'm not taking anything away from how much this guy has probably worked his butt off mm-hmm. to accomplish this goal. Don't get me wrong on that. His, his unbelievable commitment physically and mentally to coming back is amazing. I am not in any way, shape, or form poo-pooing that. 
I am saying that is not some sort of record or accomplishment the sports world or world focuses on. This is not winning. Nobody's going to sit there and say, you know, hey, the two big storylines this year, Mahomes getting his third ring and Rodgers coming back after 13 weeks. Nobody will bring that up. Whoever wins the Super Bowl, that's the storyline we care about. Mm -hmm. We don't look at who has the, the, the quickest return from an ACL or an Achilles or Tommy John surgery. Do you know? You probably know the answers to those things. Uh, Cam Akers is the person that returned fastest, and it was like twice as long as Aaron Rodgers would be able to pull off if he comes back to the end of the season. The problem is you're viewing this from a prism of, of sort of equal footing. Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, because of what happened in week one, has had to swim upstream now ever since. All he can do is control what he can and if Aaron Rodgers winds up doing this thing, like accomplishing this goal, then I think he could view this season as a success. And I do think that Aaron Rodgers pulling on that rope as hard as he is could absolutely carry momentum into the offseason and for next year, too, for his organization. There's no way that he, him coming back he could view as a success. He could view it as an accomplishment. It is not a success. But success is relative based upon the hand that you're dealt, right? Aaron Rodgers can't impact wins and losses right now because he's hurt. He can impact he his recovery. He should never be allowed to play for the Jets this year. They need to step in because by the Who's time— they? The, the team, but they're not going to do it. It's why the, the, only, the only way that he doesn't play this year, if they're still alive, if he really wants to, and this will never happen, I understand that, is if Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Tim Boyle and Nathaniel Hackett and maybe Quinnen Williams and C.J. Mosley and any of the big sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, stand in front of his locker mm-hmm. and say, no. Say, what do you mean? No, we're not letting you play. Interesting. You're not going to play. We love you. We want you on this team. We want you to lead us next year. We do not want you to have an offseason of rehab. We want you to have an offseason of preparation. Because Woody Johnson, the owner of the team, ain't telling him that. Joe Douglas, the general manager, ain't telling him that. Robert Sala ain't telling him that. The only people, in my opinion, that could save this man from himself. Like, congratulations. You did it. You, we, we give it to you. You came back faster than anyone else in the history of the sport. All right, awesome. It, I'm sorry when you get inducted into the Hall of Fame, nobody will bring this up. It does not matter long-term to anyone but you, and that's okay. You're allowed to be motivated to do things, to accomplish things for yourself. In no way am I saying you're not allowed to do that. What I am saying is that this team that's going to be out of it by the time he gets back cannot let him play football. And the owner, the general manager, and the head coach will not say this to him. The only people that should say it to him, because I think it's the only people to listen to, are his peers and his teammates. Yeah, I agree with that. I, that, was, that was well said. Um, that was a point well made, because Aaron Rodgers is, is the most powerful, important, and influential person in that organization. He owns and the team. The opinions of Woody Johnson or Robert Sala or Joe Douglas, he might value, but he's not going to change his mind because of any of them. I think the, the, the notion of his teammates going to him and saying, hey, bud, let's see the forest through the trees is an interesting concept. And that might come from coaching. That might come from the front office. That might come from ownership. But the idea that, it sh- that they should be the vessel and not them, I think it's a, is, I think it's a well-made point. I really do. All right, coming up. Uh, we're going to get into some college football, but we've got to get a tease on this sneaky Hembo trivia. You yes. ready for it? I'm, oh, I'm, I, am I ready for it? Well, literally, I, I mean, I heard you off the air, so I've got to get a trivia question. I'm not ready for it. I'm ready for it. Okay, go ahead. All right, in the poll era, in the AP poll era, which school has won the most undefeated national championships in college football? The AP poll era, which school? I'm glad you clarified the AP poll. The poll era, James Harden could have chimed in on too. Um, the AP poll era, which team won the most undefeated national championships? We will get the answer to Sneaky Hembo Trivia and a college football deep dive next. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. We all love to make fun of Hembo. Tell Bubba, as you told me, about your dinner last night. My wife, Lizzie, makes a lovely penny vodka. It's penne. Okay, are you from Sicily? No, I'm not Come from on. Sicily. I'm from planet Earth. No one says penny. It's not one cent's worth of vodka. It's penne vodka. Tasted like it cost one cent. Whoa! This is Greeny. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio. ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You could be a part of Greeny Nation at 888-SAY-ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern with Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman every day here on ESPN Radio filling in for Greeny. We have Sneaky Hembo Trivia. Peter Burns, best week ever. On Sunday mornings, SEC Network, of course, at Peter Burns ESPN is joining us. So he is going to participate in this Sneaky Hembo he trivia. He sure question. is. And he knows college football better than the rest of us. So I do wonder if he is going to get this correct. Yeah, there's no chance he gets this wrong. Oh, boy. All right, go ahead. The question, oh, the question is this. The question is this. No pressure, Burns. Peter, your, your layup is this. Yeah. Um, in the AP okay. poll era, that dates to 1936, which school has won the most undefeated national championships? Okay, who wants to start us off and guess? Bristol, go ahead. USC. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Notre Dame. Peter? Oh, I'm going to say future SEC member Oklahoma. I am going to go Nebraska. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm looking at this leaderboard. This is really fun. So we have one guess for Notre Dame, one for Nebraska, one for Oklahoma, and one for USC. And the correct answer is... Notre Dame. Oh, Bob. Wow. Well done. There you well go. done. I thought it was going to be like Georgia Tech in the 1940s or something <laughs> Notre like Dame that. had six. <laughs> Bama had five. Nebraska had five. Oklahoma had four. Oh, and USC had three. So we actually oh, did a really so, like, good job. Uh, yeah, the family feed numbers, we did pretty good. Yeah, we yeah. hit the we, leaderboard. We, we, we would have done well. Yeah, you yeah. Just pepper the top yeah. of that leaderboard. But I'm only very, Bubba got I'm, it right. Yeah, but I'm very proud of us as a group. Uh, Peter, before we get into the college football conversation, please tell everybody what happened with your kids on Saturday. 
Well, um, so my daughter is a diehard Alabama fan because I'm a diehard LSU fan because that's just the way it works here in the SEC world. And so my son, by proxy, was going to be pulling against Alabama as well. So I told him at the final part of the game, I'm like, buddy, you got to you got to pull for Auburn, the blue team. You know, he's four years old. So all he knows is I'm anti-Alabama. And sure enough, fourth and 31 happened, and he sounded like every single Auburn fan that was in Jordan-Hare Stadium that saw it happen just started crying, absolute meltdown. And, uh, yeah, I just told you. I was like, it just means more here, kid. Like, get, you know, get used to it. If you like college football, one day your, your, your favorite team is going to make you cry. Yeah, that's amazing with kids. My kid's 10 and 7. I feel like they both are fans of teams now. They're starting to be just to annoy me. Like, they're, they're fans of some of the teams that I like, but some of the teams that I don't like. All right, uh, there's so many things we want to dive into. Let's start with this. Matt Rule comes out, head coach in Nebraska, and he says a good quarterback costs a million to $2 million in the transfer, transfer portal. Peter Burns, is that a good thing for college football or a bad thing for college football? I mean, look at the ratings right now. Has name, image, and likeness ruined college football ratings? I mean, you could say that they're, they're as good as any, right? I mean, like... I think it's tough for people in the media to say it's a bad thing because I'm sitting here going, I make my money off of 18, 19 year old, 20 year old kids playing football. So I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing. The problem is, is that they, they, there's no speed limits right now on this autobahn of college football. Now the question is, do you need it? Right? Like, have we felt the game? Is it not as good? Are people not watching it? No. Now, does it lose the, hey, I love this fact. Hugh Freeze was great. After he lost to New Mexico State, you know what he said? He goes, I don't know. I don't have connected guys that, like, live, breathe, die to play for Auburn football. And I'm thinking, oh, they're going to get blown out in the Iron Bowl. Well, guess what? The rivalry comes up next week, and they almost end up beating Alabama. So I still think it's too too close to say. And, by the way, it's probably $2.5, 3000000 million. That, that would not have been a low number for Matt Rule. Yeah, and I think that – I agree. I think it's it's more good than bad. I think the one thing that people don't acknowledge with this and that we should start to talk about more and more is that, like, the NBA to me is the best offseason of any sport. Does it, it? And a lot of people don't like the regular season as much as they like – I mean, I do, but they don't like the regular season as much as they like the offseason. College football offseason in many ways for years was about people we don't know, high school recruits. Now, when you hear Riley Leonard may transfer to Notre Dame or head coaching moves – Peter, we now legitimately, and I think this is a great thing, we have college football free agency. That's awesome. No. I, I mean, again, that's, I mean, there's a countdown clock for the NFL. I mean, you, like you said, the craziness that is NBA free agency is really the second biggest thing outside of NBA playoffs, and we're getting that way. I mean, you know, just the fact yesterday in the SEC, K.J. Jefferson, really talented player from Arkansas, there were rumors that his name had come in, and he has to go to social media saying, I'm not out of it. Uh, you know, I'm not actually in the portal quite yet. But if you're a college football player and you got one year left, one year re- re- remaining, why would you not dip your toes into the transfer portal at all? doesn't mean you necessarily have to leave, guys, but that's like telling an NFL or NBA free agency, hey, you're a free agent with no issues. You can go somewhere, but let's not test the free agent waters. Don't go out there and get, go out there and get offers right now. I, I don't blame the kids. And college football after this weekend is going to look completely different with the ter- between the expansion of the conferences, the 12-team playoff. This is the end of college football 2.0 as we know it coming up this weekend. And Peter, I think some of the very best quarterbacks in the country right this second are transfers themselves. Yesterday on this show, we talked about the Heisman Trophy. I look at the numbers and it says to me that Jaden Daniels is the clear and obvious frontrunner for the award. Vegas sees it differently. They have Bo Nix as the Heisman Trophy winner. As someone who has seen every (laughs) snap that Jaden Daniels has played at LSU, what do you think? 
I mean, there's no doubt to me. And how about that craziness? A former Pac-12 transfer from Arizona State leads the SEC, and then now a former Auburn SEC quarterback leads the Pac-12 <laughs> at Bo Nix. So talking about your transfer quarterback situation. But, I mean, there's no doubt. When you look at the numbers and what he means to his, his own team, Jaden Daniels is clearly the clear-cut favorite. I mean, that, that's the guy. Now, the reason why, and you guys appreciate the odds aspect of it, is that you still have Bo Nix. You still have half of the country that votes on that side of, of, of you know, west of the Mississippi that are going to say, you know what, this, what a great story for the Pac-12 to be in it. Bo Nix has been fantastic, and he's got one more opportunity on a championship weekend, mind you, against the 96th-ranked total defense in college football. So I think it's, it's, he gets the last laugh, and here's how I, I, I look at it. It's basically Jane Daniels is in at like 12 under in the U.S. Open, but Bo Nix is 12 under as well or 11 under, but he's sitting on the tee of a reachable par five. And, and he's going to have an opportunity to go yard on the, on the last one. But Peter, let me push back just real quick because I agree with you. He has the chance to make the sort of finishing argument or closing statement this weekend. But I don't think they're close. Like what we're doing is penalizing Jaden Daniels for playing across a wretched defense that cost them three wins. Like, am I, am I seeing this wrong? I mean, I know you're just sort of giving the other side from, from that half of the country. But from where I sit, if we're going to say the, the Heisman Trophy goes to the most outstanding player in college football, there's no question who the most outstanding player in college football is right this second, is there? Uh, no, there's not. It's, it's clearly Jaden Daniels. You look at what he does rushing ball. You look at even the strength of schedule that LSU has right. had versus what Oregon has had this year. It's not even close. Now, I, I do push back just to a certain extent because, honestly, Jaden Daniels' defense being so bad and so wretched, guys, mm-hmm. almost had like a Caleb Williams effect at USC last year. Where, like USC's defense was so atrocious that you're like, well, we got to leave him out here because if we don't, we're going to go give up another touchdown. So those have helped the numbers. But when you look at how he's played this year, there is zero doubt. But, again, what, who should win and what the odds makers think is going to happen is all on the two, two different things. And I'm, I'm hopefully we see some chaos and all the odds makers are wrong this weekend. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen, in for Greeny. Normally you hear me on Sportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time here on ESPN Radio with Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman. We're joined by Peter Burns, Best Week Ever, SEC Network, Sunday morning, 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern time with Courtney Cronin, of course, here on ESPN Radio. Peter, what's more likely after Sunday at noon Eastern? Is it that we will have two SEC teams out of the college football playoff or Ohio <laughs> State in? Um, well, Ohio State's out. Ohio State's a placeholder in my mind at this point. I mean, we've seen this through the committee going, all right, well, we don't want to drop them too far. But then, all right, when it comes down to it, and I've been doing the mock selection committee once before, and I've seen it, and you have these situations where you're like, yeah, you should probably have a team there. You believe it, but they're not, they don't have a chance to be in, in the Final Four. That's Ohio State. I mean, unless you're talking about Iowa end up winning and Oregon winning and you know uh, Oklahoma State and uh, Louisville. I mean, unless you just absolutely have chaos, that's not going to happen. I will tell you this, though, guys. It's it's crazy to think, but this could be a year that the SEC gets zero teams in, and and it is not out of the realm of possibility. I think there's a lot of people that look at Louisville, FSU, and go, "Hey, if you're a, if you're a Power Five ACC champion, even with Tate Rodemaker, their backup quarterback, that they deserve to be in." And then the committee has already said that they uh, they value Texas in that win against Alabama even more so, and rightfully so, because they won by double digits in Tuscaloosa. I mean. I don't know how you guys feel, but a, a college football playoff 
if Alabama barely beats Georgia and none of those two teams are in, it's going to feel a whole hell of a lot different than it ever has before. Yeah, I have to control myself. I'm like ready to go crazy because like you're right on what you're saying and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like if you gave me a choice right now blindly, I could have four SEC teams in all four spots or zero, I would take four. It is just ridiculous, Peter. The fact that we may have this play out this way, that if Georgia loses to Alabama, Michigan wins, right. Washington State wins, Florida, excuse me, Washington wins, Florida State wins, and then Texas wins, and you would go head-to-head Texas over Alabama and leave right. an SEC team out, it is utterly ridiculous. And I'm not going to discourage people from watching or listening here on ESPN Radio, but it is absolutely ridiculous to think that you could have zero SEC teams in. And you know what? I've thought about this. I've thought about this scenario a bunch. And here's the way I come up with what they're going to do. If what I just said plays itself out, I have a weird feeling, despite the loss, they would actually take Georgia. It would be the only way to keep an SEC team in and then make sure that they have the other three in. Because if they take Alabama... Texas is going to be mad, right? Because, hey, we beat Alabama head-to-head. If you take Alabama, I mean, sorry, if you take Texas over Georgia, we're going to sit there and say, really, you're going to have zero SEC teams? So I actually think, as crazy as it sounds, it wouldn't shock me if Georgia loses and gets in. I I mean, you think about this, and, and, and here's the deal. If it gets to that point, right, and you're sitting there going, all right, what do I look at? A 12 and one Georgia squad? Right, a 12 and one Georgia squad who could crush Ole Miss, crush uh, Tennessee, crush Missouri. You're saying, all right, are we going to let them in? Or if you know, Florida State beats uh, Louisville 17 to 13 and looks okay, what is deserving or what's the best? You can't tell me that's not one of the four best teams. And how are you going to say that's not Alabama as well too for the way that they've played since week two? I mean, things have changed since week two, guys. Deion Sanders was on the top of the world in college football in week two, right? Like, I, I mean, things, things can change throughout the course of the season. Last thing here with Peter Burns, of course, SEC Network, best week ever here on ESPN Radio, Sunday morning, 7A to 10A Eastern time. Bobby Petrino back to Arkansas. We, we talked about it a bunch on Unsportsmanlike <laughs> this week, 6 to 10 a.m., of course, Monday through Friday. And I asked the question on the air a few days ago. I said, if Bobby Petrino can get rehired by Arkansas, then blank can get rehired by blank. How would you fill out that those two blanks? I mean, Urban Meyer would be back at Florida or maybe Utah. Ed Ogeron back at LSU. I mean, Mike Price at Alabama. Remember, it's rolling, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is chaos. But it goes to show you, and it's a great life lesson, right? If people think you have a perceived skill that's good, especially in a high-revenue-driven uh, industry, no matter if it's sports or anything, you play by a different set of rules. No way in any other part of life does Bobby Petrino get an opportunity to go back to his employer and, and, and after what he did at Arkansas. And because when you think of Arkansas, you think of him, that image of him in the next race, in the motorcycle, or it may not have been a motorcycle crash, all of that stuff. Only if people believe that you can do something extraordinary in desperate times called desperate measures, and they need an extraordinary offense right now, Sam Pivot wants to keep his job in Fayetteville. Well, and that's the other thing. They want Sam, a lot of fans want Sam Pittman out. So if he's out, Bobby Petrino is going to become the head coach one day again at Arkansas. <laughs> well, but think about this. Who was going to take that job, right? If you already think that you're in a situation where if you're a really good offensive coordinator, okay, you don't know if K.J. Jefferson might enter the transfer portal. And if you decide to come back or you decide to take that job, if you're an up-and-comer and then Pittman gets fired halfway through, you're sitting there going, oh, what the hell am I going to do now? So – 
it is um, it's another reason why I just love the beautiful disaster of college football. I mean, we it just you take your NFL, the NBA. I love it. It's great. It's all nice and clean. I love the messiness that it is college football. Peter, great job as always. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Later, boys. All right, Peter Burns, best week ever, SEC Network. You'll hear him with Courtney Cronin, 7A to 10A Eastern Time on Sunday morning. She said it well. The messiness of college football is what we love. Now, Hembo, early, early, early this morning, I gave you a homework assignment. You did. You remember that homework assignment? Yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to fling that on me now? Too busy cracking eggs. I don't understand. Fling that on you now? Yeah. I, I walk in early. You and I are usually the first two people here, mm-hmm. right? Early in the morning. And I said, hey, I got something for you for today. And you said, oh, I could find that out in two seconds. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I could. But you chose not to. I bet you, by the time we're out of break, I will have a comprehensive answer. No, no. Here's the but thing. I don't have it now. I want to I wanna bring in Cam It's not in the, it's not in the rundown. It's not even in the Google I Doc. I understand. But I, I want to bring in Cam and Bubba on one thing. I said to him both today, I said... Did you see the Detroit Pistons have lost 15 games in a row? He said, yeah. And I said, I have no interest in talking about the Detroit Pistons, but what I would like to know is what is actually less common or more com- whatever, the numbers behind in sports in general. What's harder to do, winning 15 in a row or losing 15 in a row? Right? And I said to you specifically, I said, it's interesting in the NBA because guys take nights off. It's interesting in baseball because a pitcher could just have a bad outing. Right? Mm-hmm. What's harder to do? Winning 15 in a row or losing 15 in a row. To which you said to me, oh, yeah, I, I got that. We'll have that information. Yeah, That'll we'll have it. But it, we're here. We're well, currently here. We are here now, but right. it's not in the Google Docs, which means I thought you would shoot it for a different topic. It was a slip-in comment. I literally said to you, hey, I want to slip it in at some point during the show today. We had a minute prior to P- when Peter was done and when we were going to break that I thought it was actually a great time to do the slip-in. Yeah, this but is it's, the perfect slip-in. This is a right show. Now, Using technology, a Google Doc. It's not in our Google Doc. The assumption that I make, oh, he's decided this isn't a topic worth talking about. We're not getting into the Pistons win streak today. I never said we were. I said we were getting into winning and losing. Which is more difficult, winning 15 in a row or losing 15 in a row? But what you say haphazardly at 5.15 in the morning is very different than what appears in our concrete show rundown. Is it not? Bubba, Cam, take a vote. Whose side are you on? I don't even know. I don't even know what you guys are arguing about, honestly. I'm going with Evan here. (laughs) (laughs) It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, along with Hembo. Evan Cohen, in for Greeny today. Normally you hear me on Sportsmanlike with Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern. We are brought to you by Granger for the ones who get it done. Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions, plus their commitment to bring your safety partner and to being your safety partner, excuse me, can help you 
Keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by today with Granger. All right, some breaking news here. Not necessarily great breaking news, but need to um, convey it to you. Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL insider, has uh, tweeted a statement from the Buffalo Bills this morning. We were made aware of an incident involving Von Miller. We are in the process of gathering more information, and we will have no further comment at this point. Um, an issue, a warrant has been issued for Von Miller's arrest as a result of an alleged domestic violence dispute that those are the infer- those are the details and information we know right now obviously not going to speculate about that but von miller um there is a warrant out for his arrest surrounding a domestic violence case so obviously uh keep listening here on espn radio all day and of course adam schefter and espn.com and all of the espn social will have you updated nfl live of course as well later today on espn at 4 p.m Eastern time. All right, Hembo, I gave you a quick assignment, a homework assignment that I'm fascinated by winning and losing streaks. Mm -hmm. Like I find it interesting that a winning streak is really difficult, but I also think a losing streak is also really difficult, specifically in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Why am I asking this question? Question Because the Detroit Pistons and their loss to the Lakers last night have lost now 15 games in a row. The numbers around losing and winning 15 in a row, what is actually harder to do in basketball and baseball? I would like you to guess. I actually have I have all four lists up. So what I've done is look at every winning and losing streak of at least 15 games in the history of both sports. Okay. Let's start with the basketball list. What do you think is more common in that sport? Winning. Winning. Because I know the Lakers have had it. I know the Heat have had a 27-game winning streak. I know there's a lot of t- Warriors have had winning streaks. I would say that winning streaks are more common in basketball and losing streaks are more common in baseball. Cam, Bubba, is uh, the winning streak or losing streak more common in basketball? What's your guess? I'm going to say losing and winning in baseball. I went the exact opposite on that. Bubba, um, break the tie. As a 15, it has to be? 15 plus, yeah. I'm going to say... There's not a breaking of the tie. He could actually answer something differently. That is true. <laughs> I'm going to go basketball. I'm going to say losing. So in basketball, there have been 48 win streaks of at least 15 games. There have been 75 losing streaks wow. yeah, baby. of at wow. least 15 games. Wow. That's okay. how you do it. In baseball. And all of those were the 2016-76 They <laughs> stuck. Um, in baseball, what do you think is more common? Losing. In, I think winning. And, and Bubba, what was your guess? I think still losing. So in the history of baseball, there have been 30 win streaks of at least 15 games. That is unbelievably low over the course of baseball's history of over 100 years. That's the most surprising number. There have been 36 such losing streaks. Okay. Both extremely low. Both both lower than I thought. Yeah, especially considering the amount of games, obviously. Mm -hmm. The percentage of games you'd be winning or losing would be lower than the other sports. So you'd think. That is stunning. It's a fascinating question that you asked. Well, I'm glad you did so much homework for it, so thank you. Six hours later. <laughs> six hours later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. literally six hours later. All right, tonight, um, what, six hours? No, more than six hours from now. We do have Thursday night football between the Cowboys and the Seahawks. The Cowboys are favored by nine tonight at home where they've won, I believe, 13 games in a row. Right, Bubba? 13 in a row at home for the Cowboys? Sure. Yes, that's right, Bubba. 13 in a row, the average score in those games. Cowboys 36, their opponents 17. The last such loss was week one. The last quarterback to beat the Cowboys there was Tom Brady in the first game of last season. I don't know what your inclination is here. To me, I'm willing to play Dallas minus nine, minus nine and a half. What would worry me is once this uh, line climbs to 10, which I think is inevitable, given the amount of public money coming in on Dallas, which right now is something like 75, 
80%, but how well they're playing, how poorly the Seahawks are playing, and how banged up Geno Smith is, I think that Dallas pass rush is going to eat, and they're going to win this game by double figures. I would agree. I also, see, this is where it gets tricky for me. I want to preemptively strike, and I have all day today here on ESPN Radio, and say that this is a good win regardless of how they get there tonight. Like, we have to give the Cowboys credit for beating a winning team. We can't all season say, well, they haven't beaten a winning team, and then they beat a winning team, and then say, well, that winning team is not as good as another winning team. Right? We have to then change the argument, because you can't be, they haven't beaten a winning team. But not all winning teams are created equal. I understand that, but, but everything everyone has been saying is about they haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Then just say they haven't beaten a Super Bowl contender. They've only played two of those, and they've destroyed everyone else they've played. Right, except, so then say they haven't the beaten a Super Bowl contender. Because that, that's, that's, your, that's your preface then for tonight. But right? what's the bar for the Cowboys? The Cowboys, we keep saying, need to get past the divisional round, get to the championship round. The Seahawks right now, if they make the playoffs, are equivalent to like a wild card team. So right. they, they can beat those. That's not the concern. Yes, the stat is they haven't beat a winning team. But the proof that they've shown over the last couple seasons is that they can't beat the teams in the divisional round, the best teams, when it matters most. This isn't that. Right, but that's also, I understand that. But guess what? If they beat the Eagles next week and they don't get to the conference championship game this year, who cares they beat the Eagles? So I'm going to take your exact same approach. If the whole thing is they need to beat teams in the playoffs, good teams in the playoffs, and we're not going to give them credit for beating the wild card team in the playoffs, well then guess what? Beating the best team in the league in the regular season doesn't accomplish what their goal is either. Sure, but then we, they're just reducing the regular season to nothingness, and I'm not comfortable with that either. Like, these aren't exhibition games. You graduate, in my opinion in sports, your greatness or almost greatness graduates you out of caring about regular season games. The Dallas Cowboys They're not been, there. But the Dallas Cowboys, they won 12 games each of the last two years. They are, they are good enough where now they have graduated out of me caring about a regular season game. They're not there. The, the team, But it doesn't matter if they win next week against Philadelphia because it doesn't mean that they would win in the playoffs against them. It, it, of course it matters. If they beat the best team in, the, in football, their biggest rival. It's a great win. It's a it doesn't great mean win. anything in, in two months. It means an enormous amount. Not in two months. It could a lot based upon what happens in that game. I, I agree with Evan on this. I think it, it won't matter unless they do it in the playoffs. Should I not watch the game? No, should that's I wait not to, what I'm saying. But I'm the, saying the, the, to watch the, the metric that we are measuring the Cowboys by right now is if they can get it done in the big games but also in the playoffs they've had big wins in regular seasons the last couple years not this year yet but they keep falling short in the playoffs especially to the 49ers so they need to do it great if they beat the Eagles that does prove something but it doesn't prove as much as we're looking for them to prove exactly that's ridiculous Uh, no it's not coach I mean I'm telling you Cam's right on this see here's the problem for the Cowboys it's the reality in terms of public perception they can only lose tonight a win is what they're supposed to do. Is a lose, everything goes crazy. That's right. And right. And then next week, if they were to beat the Eagles, it's the reaction is going to be, well, it's a regular season. Exactly. We need to stop moving the goalposts and, and treat but these games like they matter. But that's what it's going to be. But that's what it's There's going to be. There's only 17 of these games. We should treat them like they matter. They matter. But it's a compliment. We're saying they've graduated out of it and into the playoffs. It's not, it's not a compliment because they haven't graduated because they haven't gotten the, to the Final Four since I was four years old. <laughs> Greeny's laughing at you. Hear that? Carlin versus Joe coming up next. Along with Hembo, Evan Cohen in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. I sleep hot. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.